You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. The countdown is on to fight time. This is Big Fight Weekend. Now, here is your host, TJ Reeves. Well, hello there, everybody, and welcome into the latest edition of our show. A very unusual time, obviously, in the United States. I'm based in West Central Florida in the United States. As all of professional sports, all of sports really has ground to a halt with the coronavirus or COVID-19 scare and pandemic. We're all, uh, at the moment, very safety conscious and understandable, but what that means Uh, for things like what we do here with the Big Fight Weekend podcast is that we're keeping track more or less of the coronavirus and the cancellations of fight cards because of it and wondering when, and hopefully it is a win, later this spring or early in the summer that sports will resume in this country. We also understand that boxing is a worldwide sport and there are still fights going on elsewhere. So we are pledging to still be here with you on the Big Fight Weekend podcast and BigFightWeekend.com covering the sport uh, as it unfolds with fights in the ring, cancellations, reschedules, new fights, results, historical perspectives. We're going to be here for you if you are a fight fan. Going to be a fun a podcast with a couple of different special guests that are going to be joining me uh, straight ahead. He may very well have broadcast the last professional sporting event, really the last televised network sporting event of any kind last Friday night on the Showtime Cable Network Showbox series, The Next Generation. Barry Tompkins, longtime play-by-play voice here uh, in the U.S. with HBO and with Showtime of the Sport of Boxing. Barry will be here to talk about Uh, what was a bizarre set of circumstances with sporting events being canceled everywhere, yet they still held the fights at a casino in Hinkley, Minnesota on Friday night to be televised on Showtime. And uh, Barry was on the call with Steve Farhood and former world champ Raul Marquez uh, as they broadcast from there. So he's going to relay the stories from there, uh, figure out what else to compare it to. And we'll also talk a little bit with uh, Barry. He worked the Gervonta Davis uh, title fight last summer in Baltimore Uh, Will Davis be fighting Leo Santa Cruz in a showdown at either junior lightweight or lightweight? So Barry will have some thoughts on all of that uh, when we talk with him. That is uh, allegedly going to be this summer, Davis Santa Cruz on Showtime pay-per-view. So we'll talk with Barry Tompkins about all of those subjects. He was gracious to pop on. Uh, The podcast here off of the weekend and off of doing those fights surreal is how he describes it. I'll let you hear more from him in a little bit. Then uh, we'll go with ESPN Boxing Insider Steve Kim as a guest. Marquise Johns will join me along with Steve Kim. We'll do a little roundtable discussion about the fight cancellations, what we're looking forward to. 
with fights getting back on for this summer. What has Steve Kim heard? What are Marquise John's thoughts? Marquise does a great job as the senior writer of our website, BigFightWeekend.com. Steve Kim, a boxing insider for the last few years uh, with ESPN and ESPN.com. So he jumps on the podcast to give us some insight on the cancellations that are going on, the likely cancellation any time here of Canelo Alvarez's fight uh, with Billy Joe Saunders, at least a postponement from Las Vegas. Is that fight still going to be in Vegas later in May uh, when everything maybe resumes? Will it be in June? Will it be in Vegas? Will it not be in Vegas? Will it be somewhere else? We'll talk about that. And what about some of the other uh, fight cards that are being postponed and when we might see those as well? So Steve Kim later on in the podcast as well with Marquise Johns joining me. Reminder, subscribe to this podcast if you've not done so already. If you only found us through a social media link on Twitter, on Facebook, or wherever else, subscribe on iTunes, on Spotify, on Spreaker, on Google Podcasts, wherever you get podcasts. Just search for Big Fight Weekend. It'll pop up. If you subscribe, then you get the automatic new one. You get the notification ding whenever there's a new one on your phone, your handheld device, on your iPad. You get the latest edition of this show, and we'll we'll regularly be coming to you with shows and uh, with conversations because there is a lot to talk about with news, but also the historical perspective of the sport. Uh, for example, Mike Tyson recaptured a portion of the heavyweight title in 1996 on uh, on Monday of this past week, and there's some other showdowns, uh, including the uh, the controversial Julio Cesar Chavez Meldrick Taylor uh, ending now from 30 years ago. Uh, that was this week. So the historical perspective of the sport is important to us. We'll, we'll talk about that on the podcast and on the website. So subscribe, again, on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, etc. Subscribe to the Big Fight Weekend Podcast. So, uh, again, uh, thank you so much for hanging in there. Barry Tompkins is going to be straight ahead later on. Roundtable discussion with Marquise Johns of BigFightWeekend.com and Steve Kim of ESPN. All of that to get to. Let's continue along. Yes, this man is a pro's pro. I always love getting these kind of guys on on our Big Fight Weekend podcast. He is the voice of the Showbox series. You know him for many years. If you're a fight fan, really going back to the 1980s and HBO boxing, et cetera, et cetera. Showtime's Barry Tompkins, who was on the play-by-play call. You you may have made short-term history, Barry Tompkins, as we welcome you in, because you were on the call Friday night of what might be the last professional sporting event in the United States for the next couple of months at least a televised uh, big-time event that was on network TV. You and Raul Marquez and Steve Farhood were on the call as uh, Brandon Lee ended up winning uh, the main event in Minnesota at a casino in Minnesota. So it's good to have you here. You're, all, you're always making history. Good to have you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, as long as I'm on the right side of the lawn, it's fine. You know? um, yeah, it's, uh, it, was, it was surreal. It was a really odd experience, to be honest with you. And and I, I, you know, I don't think had we not already been there and had we not been on, you know, Native American land and in those Indian casinos, you know, they make the rules. They, they don't follow, the, they don't, they're not required to follow any mandate or any law of the United States. You know, they're, they're their own, they're their own folks, you know, make their own rules. And, uh, you know, so we were already there, and they decided that the fight was going to go on, albeit with no paid attendance, and it did. So, yeah, I suppose it was, you know, I guess you could call it history in some strange and bizarre way. 
Yeah, you have done a lot of different things. I often joke, and you get this all the time. Uh, you went to Russia with Rocky and Drago on Christmas Day in your career. I saw yes. it on the big screen. Yes, which was actually June in Vancouver, British <laughs> I love that. But in this, in, in this case, you mentioned Surreal. No fans there, but uh, again, uh, you know, you, you've got a job to do. You've got fights in front of you. There were quality fights, including Brandon Lee, who's an up-and-coming uh, star that's being featured here. So, uh, again, one more time, uh, to be in that situation, can you compare it to anything else uh, that you may have done throughout your illustrious career? No, you know, it was it, – it really was unique unto itself you know i mean I've, I've i've always said you know at one point or another i've i've seen everything but the studio walls come down you know but uh no that was that was that was pretty unique uh, <laughs> you know i did a i did a half a football game one time where there was nobody in the stands because they emptied the stadium it wasn't quite a half it was about a quarter they emptied the stadium because of thunder and lightning storm we were the only two people at my color commentator and i were the only two people in the in the booth and in fact the only two people in the stadium and then they decided they wouldn't let the fans back in until after halftime so we had a we did a quarter of the game with nobody in the stadium so that was a little odd but and but this kind of harkened back to that to be honest with you because um you know you at, at the beginning of any show and you do this on your own show i'm sure you know you kind of have to hype it a little bit you want to sell it you want people to hang around for it you know so when there's any kind of a crowd, and generally speaking, the ring announcer kind of stirs the crowd just before we come on the air, um, it's easy to kind of get excited, you know, and basically say, you need to watch this, you know, this is going to be pretty good, you know. Um, and that's my job, you know. So normally it's not a problem because you don't have to tell yourself, you know, get pranked up or get excited about this or, you know, make it sound like you're really interested uh, because the crowd kind of does that. You, carry along with the crowd and try to go over the top of the crowd. Uh, but here there's no crowd, you know, so you didn't have that. So it was more like doing a studio show. Really, it was more like doing the thing that you're doing because there's nobody around and you're just kind of having a conversation with your audience, you know? And so in that regard, it was, it was, it was surreal. That's the word that, that I've been using, but first word that came to mind, but it, it's the most accurate that I could think of. It was, it was very strange, very strange. Yep, but uh, you guys were pros, and we got some fight action on Friday night. And so we saw Brandon Lee, just real quick on him. He ends up getting a third-round knockout. He's now 19-0. and 0. Um, he, he is definitely a, a rising star in the 140-pound uh, division. Uh, what did you make of him, seeing him there headline that event in Minnesota? You know, I like him a lot. First of all, he's a great kid. And he's really got his feet on the ground. I, I I think he's really a solid guy, and he's got big skills. You know, he's a, he's a banger. He's got he's got a lot of power for a young guy. He's only twenty years old. Um, what I what I think needs to happen, and I don't think it's going to happen in the immediate future, is he's got to step up. He's got to fight somebody who at least is going to fight him back. Uh, the guy that he had the other night, it, it proves nothing that he knocked him out in three rounds. The guy literally, literally, through the first two two rounds, did not connect with a single punch in the first two rounds. And uh, so he's just got to be matched. I'm not trying to say that he that he needs to, you know, fight with a with another contender, but he needs to fight somebody like, uh, you know, uh, maybe a former champion or a former contender who's kind of 
on the other side of the hill. You know, one of the, one of those kinds of guys. Somebody that that can hit him. You know, mm-hmm. and so many times we see guys. You know, young guys they're great and they're whacking everybody, and then they get hit and it's not so good. You know. And that's what I think I want to see with him. He's now he's had he's already had twenty professional fights, but he is only twenty years old. And I think his father is bringing him along very slowly. And because uh, he, I was told actually by the promoters of this event that they turned down twenty different opponents before they got to this guy. So uh, they're really being selective about who they fight. And I think they got, he's got to start being matched a little bit tougher because what will happen. Our series, uh, our Showbox series, what makes it unique and I think what makes it successful is it's generally speaking the first time a prospect gets into the ring against either a guy who's undefeated or another prospect, uh, whereas the winner will you know, take a step forward and the loser at, at best will take a sidestep. Uh, that's what the series is all about. You know, we've had 190 fighters in, in, just in the, in the run of that series come into the ring undefeated and lose for the first time on Showbox. And I think unless Brandon starts fighting somebody that at least can be a little bit more competitive, I'm not sure Showtime will want to put him on. Good points on all of those things uh, as we talk with Barry Tompkins on the Big Fight Weekend podcast. So gracious to hop on with us again as uh, the Showbox Next Generation Series. That's what you're talking about. Uh, The next generation of great fighters that come through there. He's been part of that now for almost a decade uh, with Showtime Boxing. Um, And you're right. you got to test yourself at some point with somebody that can challenge you, that's somebody that can hit you. You've seen it a hundred times. I've I've been a fight fan for 40 years. We've we've all seen it 50, 100 times. Well, well, it's great that you've won 15 uh, in a row and you're 15-0, but who have you fought? Or you're 20-0, who have you fought? When somebody can test you, then we find out what you're all about. Uh, and that's what the sport's all about. I, I wanted to transition. Again, it's an odd time for everybody uh, with the government, uh, the CDC, and everybody saying, hey, stay inside, uh, you know, uh, social uh, distancing, uh, stay away from others and whatever. So for the next couple of months, we're not going to have fights. Premier Boxing Champions has announced uh, that everything right now is postponed through the end of April. The other promotions top rank and others are following suit that in the United States there's not really going to be fights for the next couple of months. So, Barry, uh, it's just, it's just going to be a weird time uh, where we don't have boxing in the ring. I mean, I, I know on Showtime we were really looking forward to David Benavides defending his title uh, coming up, his super middleweight title coming up in Phoenix later in April. That's on hold. It, it was just announced a week ago. It's now on hold. We don't know if it'll be in May. We don't know if it'll be later in the summer. We just have to play wait and see right now, don't we? Yeah, that's what we're all doing. You know, um, it's, yeah, we... we Right now, we have two fights scheduled. One's the end of March, and one's the 9th of April. And we're holding no fond hopes at all that either of those fights will happen. Uh, one's in Vegas, and one's in Grand Island, Nebraska. I don't, I'm, I'm quite certain that not, those two fights for sure will not happen. Uh, the Javante Davis fight was supposed to be the end of April. I, that's not going to happen. Um, yeah, I think we're all on hold, and it doesn't, it's, as we all know, it's not unique to boxing every sport you know it's it's really a strange strange time right now you know because there's there's nothing to watch in terms of sports on television you know nfl had a couple of trades today so that's going to make bigger news than it normally would because it's the only news 
It's it's really strange. And Barry, you made a mention of Gervonta Davis. It's not announced yet, but there's a lot of speculation that he'll be fighting Leo Santa Cruz, another premier boxing champion's uh, fighter, that that could come in June in Los Angeles. That's what's been talked about. You're perfect for a second because you worked Gervonta Davis's fight last summer in Baltimore uh, mm-hmm. uh, when he fought then. We're interested to see this this fight more more than likely will be at either junior lightweight or lightweight uh, here. And, and again, it's not announced. We don't know if it comes off at all. But you saw Davis in person. You've seen a lot of great young fighters. Back to that same kind of question. What kind of promise did he show you? Has he shown you as he moves up the ranks if we get this fight later in the year? Well, what I think about Javante Davis is I think he could be as good as he wants to be. The problem is... He, you know, he's a loose cannon. You just have no idea what he's going to do. You know, and even now, I mean, it's not telling secrets. I mean, he could be facing jail time, you know, so it's just all about him. You know, it, 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 does he have the dedication that it takes at the highest level? Uh, you know, he's, it would be very smart for him not to be hanging around with Adrian Broner, but he does, you know, <laughs> and, uh, you know, he's a very very complex personality. I mean, in terms of talent in the ring, he's extremely talented. You know, I would say uh, amongst the people I've seen in the last seven or eight years, he's probably top five, you know, in just in terms of, of his skill level, you know, he's got great power. Uh, He usually shows up in, in pretty good shape, which is, you know, to his credit, unlike Adrian Broner. Um, but I think he's a questionable character, and I and I don't often say that in boxing because, you know, even though it's a pretty brutal sport, I, I've always said this, and fighters will tell you this too, that in a in a fight, the level of let's say the fight with Leo Santa Cruz, uh, if you're if you're ninety eight percent, you lose. You got to be a hundred percent in boxing at the highest level. Uh, so it's all about him, you know. It's a question of does he want to do it that badly? Is he willing to? you know, put the time and the effort and, you know, clean his act up in order to be a great champion. The, the, the question is not about his skill level. The question is about him. Great points on this. And again, you're referencing a most recent arrest back during the Super Bowl weekend in Miami for assault uh, on a female. And there's more video that's emerged on that. He's facing charges. He's been arrested multiple times over the course of the last two or three years. At, at some point, your your conduct away from the ring, just like away from the field, uh, the, the way from whatever sport can bring you down, can be your ultimate downfall. We'll see if he can get his act together. But you also bring up a, gr- a great point, too, about your focus. Where is your focus? And, and can you maintain it? Uh, throughout uh, your career. The great ones are able to do that, and then others fall the way, uh, by the wayside because of it. It's a good point with Davis. We'll see if that fight gets made with Santa Cruz. And again, Santa Cruz is a Southern California guy who has headlined numerous times in his career. Uh, uh, you know, Big Mexican-American fan base that will follow him if that fight happens. Uh, could be a Showtime pay-per-view for later in the summer uh, whenever we resume with sporting events in the U.S. and be able to have uh, the gatherings. Hey, one fun plug. I keep telling fans of all sports everywhere, go online, go to YouTube especially, and find the old fights. I love me some Barry Tompkins and Larry Merchant in the 1980s on the old HBO fights. Whether you're talking about uh, Leonard and Hagler or watching all the heavyweight fights uh, that went on there in the in the 80s with Larry Holmes defending the title a bunch, 
Uh, you and I reminisced before. You'll remember this. You told me, hey, the, the, the one that maybe had the most drama, the most excitement, the most fun was the Orange Bowl, Alexis Arguello, Aaron Pryor yep. back 1981. Barry, I'm plugging away. They can go reminisce and watch all these great fights online while we don't have the actual new ones, the ongoing live ones. We can go back and, and relive the old ones. It's a treat to go back and hear that and hear you guys calling it. Yeah. They, they, you know, a lot of them, a lot of them hold up to time too. You know, that's one thing about boxing. Boxing is, is, it is the same sport that it was, you know, in the twenties and thirties and, you know, maybe equipment might've changed and training methods might've changed, but it's basically a mono mono sport. So it, it really does hold up, hold up to time, you know, and, uh, every now and then I'll watch one of those fights from back in the day at, at HBO. And, you know, I, I was so blessed to, you know, I've been at HBO in its infancy and when boxing was a really big deal there at the network. And, um, yeah, I mean, I can't tell you how, how lucky I've been, you know, just to be able to be around big events like that. You know, it's, um, I, every now and then, you know, somebody will, I'll do an interview and somebody will ask me about it. And I, you know, it just sort of happened. I couldn't even tell you how, how it happened. I always kid about, you know, I got into boxing because I knew my left from my right, you know, and that's what it took, <laughs> you know. And uh, so, yeah, it's just I, I've just been really lucky in my career. And being with Showtime, you know, I had a great time at HBO. Believe me, I really did. And I have nothing bad to say about my time at HBO. But the, our crew at Showtime is really special. And, um, I, you know, I go off the air every uh, every show saying the best crew in sports television. It's not hyperbole. I really mean it. It's. And I'm talking about from the audio guys to the, you know, the replay guys, producer, director, you know, Steve is a part far is a, one of one of my best friends and Raul. Well, I give Raul so much credit because what he's, what he's done is he's, he, he was a fighter who wanted to be a broadcaster and he's gotten better and better as a broadcaster. And he's worked at that trade as much as he did, as being a fight at being a fighter. And I give him a ton of credit for that. And right now I think he's as good as anybody out there doing it, you know? So it's, I, we look forward to going to the shows to work. I'm going to miss it because of all this coronavirus stuff, but uh, they're all great friends and it's the best place I've ever worked. And uh, you know, I don't know how many people can say that when, you know, you're my age. Well, listen, uh, you're a treat. You make it easy for a lot of people, and you're right. Raul is developing as, as a broadcaster. What do I know? We enjoy hearing him. We love hearing you. Uh, here's hoping that we're back to live events when everything is safe. We're, we're hearing and hoping that it will probably be June. Maybe it's May. We don't know, but maybe it's June, and we get back to live events, live boxing, the Showbox Next Generation Series, Showtime Championship Boxing as well. The good news is, Barry, we may get a whole bunch of fights like right together because everybody's going to look to make up for lost time. That, that that's going to happen. Yeah. yeah. No, that's definitely going to happen. I, it's funny because obviously I, I asked you know the people at, at Showtime about that because you know I'm a freelancer. I don't do a show. I don't get paid. Right. And, uh, and, uh, they said, absolutely. We're, you know, all the shows that we had scheduled for the year, we're still going to have. So the back end of the year is going to really be busy and, uh, it'll all be back. It, it might be, there might even be a glut of boxing. There might not be enough dates for everybody. Let's you know? hope, let's hope we uh, have that problem. Showtime, you know, we, tr we try not to schedule if Fox has a fight or ESPN has a fight or, or DAZN has a fight. We try not to schedule opposite. And now everybody's going to have all this inventory. So it's going to be interesting. 
It will be, and I always, uh, I always love. It's always a treat to get to catch up with guys uh, here on the Big Fight Weekend podcast uh, that do it right. A pros pro. You ended your call. I'm gonna put a smile on your face, even though I can't see you. You're all the way out in San Francisco. I'm all the way in Florida. We can't see each other right now, but I'm gonna put a smile on your face. You ended the Leonard Hagler fight with "How do you like it? How do you like it?" Yeah. was what you were screaming in the mic yeah. that night. I like whenever I get a chance to talk with Barry Tompkins. That's how much I like it. It's a lot of fun. I appreciate it. I love it. Listen, thank you. It was great to reminisce. We don't have fights right now. We can reminisce on the other fights. Great job the other night on the Showbox Series. Thank you, Barry Tompkins. Always a pleasure. Thanks a lot. Coming up straight ahead, Steve Kim of ESPN and ESPN.com, Boxing Insider. He'll join Marquise John, senior writer, Big Fight Weekend dot com with me and we'll kick around a lot of different subjects including these cancellations what does it mean for canelo and billy joe saunders a fight that was supposed to be officially announced on tuesday saint patrick's day in los angeles that's now not happening we don't know when that fight's going to be uh, what about some of these other fights that are that are right now being called off how soon will we see them what is steve hearing from the fighters the trainers the managers the promoters right now about the sport everybody's anxious with the coronavirus the covid19 a scare and all the quarantining that's going on uh, right now for the rest of March and April. So Steve will have some insight uh, here in a few moments. All right. So again, a reminder, subscribe to this podcast, get the latest news, not just from bigfightweekend.com, but off the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, subscribe away to the show and a reminder to keep it locked in on bigfightweekend.com for all the latest uh, news, not just domestically in the United States where I am based, where Marquise is based, uh, but also uh, with David Payne, the boxing writer over in England, worldwide with the sport, wherever it is. We love the insight. We love the news. We love the fights and the preview mode, the recap mode, and the historical perspective. Just subscribe. Go search BigFightWeekend.com, Spreaker, Spotify, Google Podcast, iTunes, wherever you find podcasts. Subscribe to the show. You will be glad that you did to be, keep to, to be kept informed with everything going on in the world of boxing, our special guests, and much more. We pledge that to you. We're going to keep coming to you here as part of Big Fight Weekend. Let's rock on on this edition of the show. We're back on Big Fight Weekend. Now, here's your host, T.J. Reeves. As we do roll on, it is definitely different on the Big Fight Weekend podcast. I welcome in senior writer, BigFightWeekend.com, the purveyor, the overseer is Marquise Johns. And we've got a special guest with us, despite uh, his best efforts to annoy our next guest, and, uh, and perhaps have that guest cut off all contact and communication with him. Steve Kim of ESPN and ESPN.com's boxing coverage has actually agreed to come on. So thank you for that. Welcome. Hope all is well, Steve. Yeah, outside of Armageddon, couldn't be better. <laughs> Marquise, thank you. Good job on getting Steve uh, on the program. And, and you just joked right before... Uh, I hit the record button. I said, how long do we have? You said, hey, take your time. It's not like I got boxing to write about right now. I guess we begin right there. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Uh, In all seriousness, there is actually a lot to write about, and it really is about what's not going to happen, which is a full slate of fights starting essentially from this Saturday with the two top-ranked shows uh, at the theater of MSG one of which was going to take place Saturday night. That got kiboshed and also Michael Conlon's traditional slot. And then there are other shows. I mean, literally, 
The last card I think that we're going to watch as any type of significant audience was Friday night uh, in Hinkley, Minnesota. I, mean, I actually wrote a story that's going to be out very soon, maybe tomorrow, about the surroundings of that card. And, you know, when I was actually taping the podcast with Mario uh, earlier today, literally we're getting these announcements just right as we're about to tape. PBC decides to cancel all their events all the way through April, top rank. They made a similar announcement. So as you look at it, guys, being as realistic as possible, I don't see boxing resuming on any grand scale to at least mid-May. Mm-mm-mm. And it may be longer. You don't know this, but we've already talked. I just talked a little while ago on the podcast with Barry Tompkins of Showtime and the Showbox series, a legendary play-by-play man. He described it as the most surreal thing that he's done really in boxing and in professional sports. He he. Uh, likened it to a college game that he had done. The only other uh, comparison, if you will, that he could make, he had done a college football game where they evacuated everybody because of a thunderstorm, because of lightning, and yet they were still playing the game, and they were there in the press box with no fans in the stands while the game was being played. But he said even that was not this, where you're ringside, you're at the fight, and other than essential personnel, no fans, there it was, but... As you adequately put it, I mean, uh, we have that, and then we're not sure when we resume uh, upcoming here uh, in June. So there's a lot of uncertainty right now and a lot of title fights that you wonder, Steve, are they actually going to get rescheduled and made this summer, or will guys move on and take other deals and fight other fighters if it's available? That's a big variable right now. It's a big unknown, right? No, it really is. And speaking of Barry Tompkins, he can always say he did uh, Drago Balboa, <laughs> I believe, on Christmas Day. Well, as he joked, he let me stop you. As he joked, it was not Christmas Day in Russia. He joked it was June in Vancouver, Canada, in an <laughs> arena in Vancouver, Canada. I said, you're ruining it for all of us. It was supposed to yeah. be, you know, Drago, Rocky, Christmas Day, Russia. But that's when they filmed it. So, yes, bookends. On that, Marquise, I've monopolized bothering uh, Steve Kim right now. Go ahead with any thoughts or any questions here. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, also the throw one, uh, the also cancel cards, uh, Matchroom as well. Actually, I put the press credential in, uh, TJ. I have family in D.C. I was going to hang out at Oxen Hill for the uh, Regis Progress uh, Maurice Hooker card. Uh, that, I got that email as well that said that's off the boards too. So there is no fights happening uh, that are sanctioned for that matter. Uh, <laughs> And that would be televised for the time being for the sort of foreseeable future. It's interesting because a lot of the fights that were really coming up, even if they weren't the fights that you were looking forward to, let's be honest, guys, uh, James Crooklyn versus Marcos Hernandez, I mean, seriously. I mean, stuff like that, no one was really, you know, must-see boxing, per se. But the fact that it's not there is the option. It's when people get the option of being taken away from them is when you get concerned about it. And that's where we are now with boxing and, and pretty much any major sport until at least midsummer. Yeah, well, Marquis, look, we've interacted on Twitter for a few years now, we yeah. are the degenerates. We are junkies. <laughs> I mean, I I like fights. As Larry Merchant taught me long ago, fights make fights. Anything can happen. It, it really is a Pandora's box that's opened. And I, I enjoy these nights. Uh, not, it, it, a fight does not have to be Ray Leonard, Thomas Hearns for me to enjoy enjoy it especially now with social media you, you interact with people nationally and internationally uh, even the bad fights are kind of fun now and you kind yeah. of everyone tries to one-up each other and you know one fight result will have ramifications one way or the other and 
I'm going to miss these fights. You know, I think uh, you follow me on social media. You know, my Miami Hurricanes and Peanuts calendar <laughs> is filled oh, with man. boxing events. Right. I mean, they have big boxes. So I, I put in my, the, the boxing events, the networks are on, and it'll basically shape a lot of my life because this is my job. I'm going to miss those fights. I, I mean, look, going back to your question, TJ, about the fights that are scheduled, I believe the upper-level fights, are going to happen because some of them are mandated fights. Some of them are big fights. Some of them are demanded fights. I asked Robert Diaz, the matchmaker for Golden Boy, who has about 30 to 35 fights right now that he has no home for uh, with the recent ruling by the California State Athletic Commission that there'd be no combat events in our state to at least March 31st. He said there's a couple of ways that they can handle this. Um, They can either spread out the fights Four or five here, four or five here, four or five here in the upcoming shows that will take place. Or another scenario that he would prefer is for the zone to just flat out give him another date or two where he could shift the whole card to another date. Now, I also asked Steven Espinoza, the head of Showtime Sports, let's say come June and everything clears back up, are we going to see an influx of cards for the next seven, eight months to make up for what's going to happen in March, April, and May. And he really did not have a clue. And the way I would put it, guys, the analogy that I would use, we've all been on the freeway. Well, all of a sudden, you see brake lights for three miles, and it's all because of an 18-wheeler uh, you know, ran over somebody or rolled over and it held up traffic. Well, even if you clean up that 18-wheeler and get it to the side of the road, it, it doesn't immediately clear up traffic. It, it takes a while. And so I don't think it's too far out of the realm of possibility that the flow of traffic uh, will not return to normal till about, I'd say, 12 to 16 months because you still have to make up these fights. And let's face it, guys don't fight as much as they used to. Very interesting point on that. That's the voice of Steve Kim. Got Marquise Johns with me as well. Steve with ESPN and their boxing coverage, ESPN.com. Obviously, Marquise, the uh, purveyor, the overseer of BigFightWeekend.com, and as a regular part of this podcast, we always love uh, the insight uh, from Marquise as well as our guests. All right, so Canelo Alvarez and Billy Joe Saunders, uh, the long uh, rumored fight never got officially announced. We believed all along it was going to be May second in Vegas. That's that's apparently like ninety nine, ninety nine, and nine hundredths percent not going to happen for May the second. And probably while we're doing this podcast, they'll announce that it's not happening. But anyway, uh, I guess the real question is: Do you believe that one still does happen? And what does it do as some are, are putting out there for September when it's supposed to be his next fight? especially the later in June, theoretically, Steve, that he would fight? Does it jeopardize a September fight and make it October or November? Do we even know at this point what it might do? Do you believe maybe that Canelo, Billy Joe Saunders doesn't happen at all now because of this delay and it gets called off? Oh, I believe it happens for a couple of reasons. Canelo gets paid very well. And I've heard this theory that, you know, Canelo's very tumultuous relationship with Golden Boy which has about, what, seven, eight fights left remaining on the zone contract. I've been told he wants to get rid of that contract as soon as possible. So he's not looking to delay fights. Uh, I've been told by multiple sources, the press conference to announce that fight, supposed to be either Tuesday or Wednesday of this particular week. That's certainly not going to happen. And speaking to Eric Gomez about three, four hours ago, he said, Steve, 
Right now, there's nothing official in terms of May 2nd. But as you said, it's probably 99.999% heading in the direction of not taking place May 2nd. Now, you're right. If this thing goes into mid to late June, that particular matchup, it does leave a relatively quick turnaround time for September. But we have to remember this. There is a business aspect to this as it relates to Las Vegas. If Golovkin ends up getting that fight and winning his uh, mandatory defense against his meta, and my colleague Dan Rayfield said that's going to happen in June, probably in L.A., um, the third fight, in my view, is going to be penciled in for that traditional Mexican Day weekend. That, that, and you have to understand from the zone's perspective, they slot these events, whether it's Anthony Joshua, a big matchroom show, or Canelo or Golovkin, they want one big event per billing cycle. So if you back up Canelo, let's say, to October, the problem is that might have ramifications on another one of their franchise fighters. I could not imagine um, if Canelo fought in June and came out victorious and relatively unscathed that he wouldn't take back his customary spot on the second weekend of uh, September. All right, and there's a lot of variables because Golovkin would have to win. Golovkin also had a calf injury apparently in training, which has delayed his fight, which as it turns out, it would have been delayed anyway if it was being fought in April or May, as it turns out with the coronavirus situation that's going on through the United States. All right, so Marquise, to you, I want to follow up with both of you, but I'll I'll let you go first. Part of the Canelo-Saunders appeal is that Canelo is such a massive live-gate draw so it's not the same as a lot of these other fights that you might have with only limited personnel, no fans. You would stand to, to leave eight, nine, ten million dollars on the table if you don't have fans. And so that's what they're waiting on to have that happen in Vegas in front of 10, 12, 15,000, whatever they can sell, right? Absolutely. Uh, yeah, definitely the zone and everyone with the zones will be waiting on uh, this stuff to all break through with the coronavirus in terms of letting the public back in to watch these fights. It's kind of what I wrote about on Big Fight Weekend, TJ, over the weekend. We're pretty much with the showtime because he talked to Barry about the surreal atmosphere of the studio boxing show. And I, and, and I get the appeal of that to a small extent because, you know, some content is better than no content. But at the end of the day, uh, you see fights all over the world. There's people cheering or in cheering, something of whatever. There's something. There's some, there was a big fight feel or a noise behind the people fighting. It's funny because even like uh, on Friday during the Showbox card, Jamel Herring tweeted the great line: "This Showbox fight card is depressing. All I hear is feet." And that's not exactly <laughs> the best of television programming. And it's one of the reasons why we gotta have actual people in these stands. A for the money, as you mentioned, TJ, and B just for the atmosphere itself. And there's no way, uh, Steve, you can confirm this as well. For as much money as they're paying the uh, Canelo for these fights, they have to find some way to recoup the money to pay this man. And what better way than getting at the uh, ticket gate that uh, the fans that he brings in, one way or another? Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt. Look, the. The shows without the audience, in, the, in other words, the in-studio fights are a possibility, although as the president has said, hey, well, you shouldn't be around more than 10 people at a time. I think that makes it logistically poss- <laughs> right, possible. Yeah. Right. Uh, but with that said, you're right. Marquise makes a great point. One of the ways Golden Boy could make this whole deal profitable, at least on their end, is to have a live gate. And look, if you do a fight in a studio, Okay, like Southern Wrestling back in the 80s. Yeah. And you have an event. The problem is there's going to be no hotel giving you 10 to $12 million. Okay? And that's just a factor. 
Look, I think there's a certain level of fight that you can get away with just making television programming. But when it comes to an Anthony Joshua, uh, a Canelo Alvarez, or a Tyson Fury-Deontay Wilder type of fight, I think that's a non-starter. I, I yeah. just don't think that's totally agree. And, I, and I don't think it makes yeah. economic sense. Totally agree. I mean, Anthony Joshua stands to be fighting in front of 60,000-plus in the U.K. in June at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. And again, that's a different government, a different situation, different sanctioning situation with the British Boxing Board of Control and the coronavirus in, in England and the U.K. and what they decide to do. But they they aren't going to give back twenty million in live gate or more uh, to have that fight be in front of fifty people. They will wait if they have to wait until July, guys. I think we all agree they'll wait until August if they have to if they have to wait because it's his mandatory with the IBF and Pulev being the IBF's number one contender. They're not going to give that money back. I think uh, I think we pretty well agree on that. So, Steve, I'm fascinated because again, you're constantly. Uh, talking to fighters, to managers, to trainers, to all of this. By and large, just in general terms, what's the reaction? Is it is it shocked that it's come to this? Is it just uncertainty? How would you describe talking to everybody in the fight game right now over the last few days? You know, the consensus was bitter disappointment. Uh, to a man and woman, that I talked to Marlon Esparza and Michaela Mayer, who are affected by this, uh, they wanted to fight. And I asked them, would you fight then if that was the only way to do it in front of a, uh, a non-crowd? And they said, yes, because we want to get paid. This is what we do for a living. We sacrifice two, three months of our lives. Uh, uh, certainly there is an economic factor here, okay? Because a lot of people are going to have their bankrolls and, and their payrolls and their portfolios slashed. And I feel bad for those people. I really do. But a lot of them did understand why this had to happen, but if you could have told every single one of them, you could have just stuck this last fight in and even taken a little risk of catching something, I, I think the majority would have actually done it. I, I really do. I mean, when I called Shakur Stevenson on Friday afternoon, uh, the day after the edict that had gone into place, you could just hear the disappointment in his vo voice, how crestfallen he was. And that went for every guy, Virgil Ortiz, Joette Gonzalez, you know, Samuel Vargas, who was supposed to fight Virgil Ortiz, flat out said, Steve, I'm going to stay in the gym. Uh, I'm a native of Canada, but I got to stay in Vegas. He goes, but I'm not going to do anything else. This is what I do. This is what I am. And you really felt for the guy. You, you really did. And I, this right now, I believe until mid-April, I could see a situation where everyone is going to kind of lay back and say, okay, we'll be sidelined. They will self-quarantine themselves from fighting. But there's going to come a point in time where I think fighters are going to get very, very itchy to get out there and start putting pressure to a point where I could see a scenario where certain fighters would tell their managements who would then relay the message to a promoter saying, if we have to fight in a foreign jurisdiction that will allow us to perform, that they would strongly consider that. I, I At that point, I think all options would be on the table. Very interesting. All right, final few moments with Steve Kim. Marquise, anything else that you want to run by him or ask of him here while we have him on the Big Fight Weekend podcast? Uh, I do, actually, Steve. Uh, just in terms of, because you, you mentioned the fighters pretty much just getting antsy and changing locations. Uh, 
we, we hear all the time about how Saudi Arabia is becoming a big thing for a lot of these fight cards. Uh, granted, I, I still take to contend the fact that I had to hunt down the sports bar to find Josh Luigi too uh, when I was in, around town here in December. But nonetheless, the, the fights are happening in Saudi Arabia. The big one that they always keep rumoring about is uh, Pacquiao uh, coming up in, in action at some point. Have you heard anything out of the ordinary about him actually coming back to fighting anybody? And, or have you heard any actual names in particular? No, just the same names that, that have been brandied about the past three, four months. It's, it's very interesting, uh, Marquis. First of all, about Saudi Arabia, what was told to me by Eddie, I, who I guess is kind of the, the lead dog here uh-huh. in terms of bringing events, they want big events. In other words, they want a Pacquiao or they want an Anthony Joshua or a Canelo. They, they want those level of events, anything mid-level. That, personally, I don't think really interests them, no matter how good the fight is to guys like me and you. Now, uh-huh. as it relates to Pacquiao, things are a little bit complicated since he signed that marketing deal uh, with Conor McGregor's company. And there is still a debate within the boxing world whether Manny Pacquiao is still under the umbrella of the PBC. Some people say he is. Some people say he's not. And this is the other question of who is really making those decisions alongside Manny Pacquiao. So I don't know what is going on there. I, I think anyone that actually says that they do – is not necessarily being honest. When I spoke to Eddie Hearn about Manny Pacquiao and his options that included a lot of guys under the matchroom umbrella, Eddie actually admitted to me there's about 624 people that are raising their hands saying that we represent Manny Pacquiao. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the more things change, the more they stay the same. Okay. Uh, I love doing this. Uh, uh, zero, no chance that it happens. Ten, it's absolutely happening. He fights Conor McGregor in a boxing match, not in an octagon. He fights McGregor in a fight like Floyd Mayweather did three and a half years ago, or right at three years ago. Uh, Zero, no chance. Ten, it absolutely happens. Where's a Pacquiao-McGregor boxing match somewhere in our future later this year, whenever? You know, I'm going to be bold. I'd say it happens next year in 2021. Really? You give it an eight, a nine, a ten on happening? You believe it happens? I'll give it an eight. I would. I've actually been told that's the plan. And I'm like, really? Now, look, Manny has a way of changing his mind quite liberally. There's a reason why he signed with this organization. And the other thing is with Manny. Look, there's a perception of St. Manny that he's so altruistic. He doesn't love money. Look, the M in Manny stands for mercenary. (laughs) He's doing this because he wants to make the biggest score. Okay? And look. Like that old line from The Natural with Roy Hobbs, I like a buck as much as anybody else. I've always said he's just as much a mercenary as Floyd Mayweather, except he lost a few times that hurt his value and he wasn't able to beat Floyd. But I don't think that Manny Pacquiao is looking to make just, quote, unquote, only 20 to $25 because that guy's got a family to feed, okay? So he's probably now searching for events that could bring him nine-figure paydays. So if you really think about it, short of a rematch with Mayweather, which I I guess is still a threat to happen, what else is really out there that is considered relatively safe that could procure that type of payday? From a theoretical standpoint, it could be Conor McGregor. All right. Fair enough on that. Uh, Marquise, we love Steve Kim's insight. Again, follow him on social media. Find him through ESPN, ESPN.com, and their boxing coverage. Uh, Here's hoping that we have fights to talk about, write about, 
and C coming soon. Soon will probably be defined as May at the earliest. Uh, it may be June, but uh, I love everybody going to the scriptures. This too shall pass. This too shall pass. We will have fights at some point, right? So we look forward to that. Steve, thank you. Thank you for hopping on the podcast. We appreciate it. Anytime, guys. A lot of fun. Let's do it again soon. Nice hook. Way to go. Getting Steve Kim on the podcast on relatively short notice. And we thank ESPN for helping us facilitate being able to get him on on the Big Fight Weekend podcast. Another reminder, by the way, subscribe. It's the best way to grab the podcast off of iTunes, Spotify, Spreaker, Google Podcasts, wherever you get podcasts. Subscribe to Big Fight Weekend. It'll come automatically to you. Uh, and then you have a new one. So like in this case, we don't really have a fight that we're doing this around. But ding, you get a you, you get a notification on your phone, on your iPad, like we all do. Hey, there's a, there's a new podcast that I subscribe to that's out that I can listen to. All right, so your reaction to what he just said last there, he believes in eight, that, and it may be next year that Pacquiao fights, may, uh, fights uh, McGregor, fights Conor McGregor in a boxing match, the MMA star. Your reaction to that? You know what, TJ? I'm going to be honest with you. I I somewhat see it, and I hate to agree with it, only because I don't want to see it. It's one of those deals. I'll give it a solid seven. And I didn't realize it until about a month and a half ago. Uh, Sean Gibbons, one of the many handlers of Manny Pacquiao, TJ, had a banner out that had McGregor on it with against Pacquiao. And we all saw it, and I was like, oh, this is clearly one of those Photoshop deals on the Internet. <laughs> and, and it's the old cliche uh, where there's smoke, there's fire, and there's way too much noise about Conor McGregor wanting to go back into boxing and make boxing money because at the end of the day, TJ, as Steve mentioned, it, it is about the money. You know, that's a great point that you make for all of the success, and McGregor's got the much more lucrative deal than almost any other UFC fighter. They're all kind of salary cap. They don't make a ton of money like boxers, but for all the money yeah. that Dana White uh, has and can funnel through the UFC and a McGregor pay-per-view and etc. Boxing can give him triple that. Boxing may be able to give him quadruple that. That's why he did the Floyd Mayweather thing uh, back three years ago. A couple of other important numbers. Pacquiao right now, 41 years of age, 42 later this year. I he, I just, I don't know. I mean, he Floyd Mayweather's 43, so I, I don't know when they're getting around each other, what's going to happen with that. Uh, but again, they're in their 40s at this point. It's almost geriatric in boxing terms. I just wonder if 2021 is too late, if Pacquiao is too old at that point with what we're getting. I don't know. I, I think I think the prime time is this summer and maybe one more in the late in the late fall, winter, something like that for Manny Pacquiao, and then that may be it. That may be it for his skill set, no matter what he might want to do, the aspirations, the money. Uh, the fame, whatever, I don't know that your body can physically do it anymore for him. It would be defying I, a lot. Go ahead. It, it would be, and I think the, the one reason that they did mention it well of McGregor, it's kind of the same reason, TJ, as, as he picked uh, Pac, uh, Pacquiao picked Furman last year, because you, you heard the rumblings about uh, everyone saying about out of Alvis Torman or Spence. And everyone's thinking, like, well, why would he face Spence? We can just face Furman. And that's what happened. He faced Furman. It's, going, it's kind of going along the same lines where I'm, I'm still in the bizarre camp, TJ. I'm, I'm going with my dark horse pick here. I still think we, at the end of the day we get a Pacquiao-Furman rematch if he's still mandated by PBC in, in some word of advisory umbrella role. As you know, TJ, the guys at PBC will tell you they're just a TV show. They're not a promotional outlet. Don't, none of that stuff. There's, 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 there's law against that stuff. So there's nothing crazy along those lines. Now, I really think it's going to be something along with matchup-wise – Pacquiao McGregor is this I mean let's be honest TJ does, does that uh uh make you want to scratch your pay-per-view checkbook out 
I don't know. I, yeah. I, if it were to happen, okay, let me give you one qualifier. If it were to happen like late this summer in August, I would be more interested now seeing Manny Pacquiao at 41 this summer than seeing him 14 or 15 months from now at near 43 uh-huh. years of age. Uh, fight that fight. Yeah. And again, I don't know how much I care because Conor McGregor's not a boxer. If he can't kick no. you, jump on you, choke you to tap you out, it's not the same. And Mayweather <laughs> proved that. Mayweather yeah. proved that by dancing around him, wearing him down, scoring some combinations, uh, getting the fight into the later rounds when he was worn down, and then schooled him. And I don't, you know, I, I think you put him in, McGregor, with any high-caliber boxer, they're going to do the same thing same to thing. him. Same type of thing to him. So uh, we'll see if that, if that fight comes to fruition. And, again, you've got sources, Steve's got sources, I've got sources. My, my understanding, too, from the Premier Boxing Champions people is they have options on Manny Pacquiao's next two fights, his next two uh. fights, despite what you're hearing. Options. What does that mean? What do the options mean? Is it really locked in? Can it be paid to, to go away? We all know how that works, too. Um, yeah. All right. So we're here without fights, as we've been talking about with Barry Tompkins earlier in the podcast and now and now with Steve Kim. We'll continue to write on Big Fight Weekend about whatever news there is. A lot of it is cancellations. Don't know how much, if anything, is going to get scheduled or done until after mid-May or June. But Marquise, it's an odd time. It's a it's a surreal time to have no professional sports, no sports of any kind in the United States, very limited on what we can watch. Now, the interesting thing is in other countries as these weekends go along, if they're still having fight cards, we're still writing about it, we're still talking about it, so at least we may have some of that with boxing being a worldwide sport. That too, and I'm looking forward to seeing what some of these other outer these outlying boxing cards around the world because there's still boxing going on going on outside of the U.S. See how they shape up in terms of matchups. See if they see if they more the premier fights as time goes on. Since there's nothing in the U.S. going on, if they actually distance themselves and travel abroad, make some of these bigger cards. I'm thinking that we may get something along those lines. Hopefully, just sooner than later because right now when there's no boxing going on and, and no sports in general, you see the struggle that a lot of comp- a lot of people around the world are having in the country with. No entertainment just on a sports weekend wise, TJ. Like I think you saw over this past weekend as well when people were showing on on network TV here just the replays of sporting events that right. that, were, that normally happen as opposed to actually <laughs> happening, which is bizarre on so many levels. When you think it's like, oh, there's a game on, and then you realize it's the game that they had on from two years ago, and it just doesn't <laughs> add up. <laughs> well, like we joke with Barry Tompkins, though, go back and relive on YouTube. A lot of the fights are there from the '80s, from the '90s. Uh, in our country, the, the HBO and Showtime fights and those pay-per-view fights, even the newer ones uh, from PBC over the last few years, you can go back and relive any of those, those big-time events and big-time nights to see what happened and the craziness of what happened. We at least have that to go on right now on the, on the, short, on the short term. Absolutely, TJ. Now, I also want to chime in with that. Speaking of going back to looking at uh, uh, fights, and because everyone's been giving their fight recommendations, uh, been doing a Mayan here, TJ, on YouTube. Now, you remember a lot of these. The old uh, NBC Sports World shows are a yes. lot on YouTube as well. With and Marv a lot of Frank- Albert and the Fight Doctor, Freddie Pacheco. Freddie Pacheco. Yes, yeah, yes. Those, those, those fights are on there, and I can kid you not, I may have seen literally over the weekend because there's no live boxing, obviously. I've seen about five or six uh, Frank the Animal Fletcher fights. Yes. That's some good stuff. Classic, go. classic from that show and from ESPN's top rank boxing. He, he was a legendary, and, and we're Tampa guys again on this podcast, West Central Florida. 
and and the I still remember the Saturday afternoon as a teenager. Again, I'm younger, uh, I'm older than you. You're younger than me, obviously. But as a teenager, that Saturday afternoon in the mid '80s, when John the Beast Mugabe was uh, was fighting as a junior middleweight, his coming out party oh, uh, in Tampa against Frank the Animal Fletcher. Uh, look that one up, everybody, Marquise, and look that one up on YouTube at what Mugabe did to Frank the Animal Fletcher. That was his big coming out party. And as it turns out, Mugabe won that fight, obviously, and it got him in the ring eventually with Marvin Hagler for the undisputed middleweight title. After Hagler had beaten Hearns, he fought Mugabe, and Mugabe with an iron chin that night against Hagler. Go back and relive those fights. They're on YouTube. You can, uh, you can check them all out, but you're right. Uh, because Marv and the, and the fight doctor would go all over the world in the 80s and would be they, they would be broadcasting fights not just in the US uh, but they would they would be in places like the UK or in okay. Europe or in South America etc showing fights that were on live on Saturday afternoon on network TV on NBC so it's a it's a great series to go back and watch if you can find those I totally agree yeah, a lot of a lot of fun stuff, and also bring it back to that, that that Mugabe fight, as you well know, it was held at the uh, I'm going to call it the, back then the Egypt Lake Center. Where I know the, it as a, the as Egypt. I, I'll tell you, the Egypt Temple Shrine is what it That's used to be called, it and it it later it later in its next life became the a la carte Pavilion, a la carte. where they have also had fights. Again, Tampa, a big fight town. The late Phil Alessi was a big fight promoter that would have shows yeah. at that, and Alessi was promoting the Mugabe fights. Uh, but you're absolutely right, and that that building now, Marquise, no longer exists. They flattened it for for housing, for uh, for urban development, etc. But yes, legendary in Tampa. Go back again, fans, at, at what we're talking about and relive. I still remember this without having seen it recently. Remember the guys that were playing the uh, the brass band from Bush Gardens. Uh, back in the 80s, the amusement park, they were always going through the park playing their instruments and uh, in their uh-huh. Bush Gardens outfits uh, with the drums. Uh, that was the accompaniment to Mugabe's ring walk uh, there for that oh. fight on NBC <laughs> Sports World. Those guys, Amazing. about the five or six, go back and look. I'm kid, I'm, I kid you not. It, it's hopefully on the broadcast that those guys were part of the ring walk. It was a circus type atmosphere. And then Mugabe f- just flattened Frank the Animal Fletcher from Philadelphia. There in the uh, in the mid '80s, but again, you can go back as we were talking about with Barry Tompkins and relive the Sugar Ray Leonard fights, the Marvin Hagler fights, the Tyson fights. Uh, go back to Michael Spinks upsetting Larry Holmes, that great Aaron Pryor Alexis Arguello fight from 1981. We wrote about it uh, on BigFightWeekend.com and in, in the mm-hmm. historical pieces. Arguello Pryor won at the Orange Bowl in South Florida in Miami. The outdoor stadium had over 60,000 people at it. Just an all-out. Uh, humongous, uh, hyped fight that lived up to it. Go back and relive all of those. Uh, go go yeah. check them out. Go check into them. Uh, a free plug here that uh, on Monday night, on March the 16th, whenever you're hearing the podcast, it's the anniversary of Mike Tyson reclaiming a portion of the heavyweight title after a three-year prison sentence. Came out of prison, knocked out Frank Bruno for a second time when they met, and got the WBC version of the heavyweight championship went on uh, to to gather up uh, the other belts for the undisputed title, and that's when Evander Holyfield finally beat him uh, in November of 1996, uh, as it turns out. Um, so, yeah, but uh, Tyson, Tyson had all the championships, and 
Uh, it got him back, but he beat Frank Bruno again that night, and Frank Bruno never fought again after Mike Tyson beat him the second time. How about that? Uh, so we yeah. love the historical pieces is, is what I'm leading to. So while yeah. we don't have actual fights, we'll be writing about historical fights as well on BigFightWeekend.com. Right, Marquise? Absolutely, TJ. Not to mention on the Bruno fight, also in the co-main event of that fight, uh, some uh, Hall of Famer named uh, Bernard Hopkins was in uh, the co-main event against uh, Joe Lipsy, uh, Southpaw, who never <laughs> fought again as well after Bernard Hopkins in the forefront had him out on his feet, TJ. Uh, absolutely incredible knockout on that one as well. But that lots of great fights to go back onto, and we're going to have to, TJ, for at least the next uh, uh, foreseeable future as long as we're in the U.S. because there's nothing sanctioned going to be here for a long time until they figure yeah. this whole coronavirus 60, thing out. It's going to be 60 rough. days, something like that. We're looking at May, mid-May, June, something like that with a lot of fights going by the wayside. But like we joked with Barry Tompkins and with Steve Kim, and I firmly believe this, you're going to see a, a backloaded second half of the year that has a lot of tremendous fight card after fight card after fight card. Some of them may double up where some of these guys go on Friday, the other one goes on Saturday, and vice versa to get all these different ones in. And you know who wins out? We all do. The all fans, do. all of us that cover it. If we, Hey, we're all for it. If we can get a couple of fight cards, two or three per weekend, like in June, July, and August to make up for lost time, all about that. Let's see if we can. Let's see if it can happen. Yeah. Yeah, I'm on the way. We get some stacked cards. Once it's all said and done with all of this, for a, for a great example, at some point they're going to announce the Wilder Fury at some point. That's obviously being pushed back as well. And that only can make that card stronger along with everything else. And it just trickles down. I'm looking forward to that as well. Oh, Whenever yeah. we get boxing back here in the States. I mean, rest assured, Canelo, as Steve was saying, is going to fight. It's probably Billy Joe Saunders, and it's probably in June at this point, and maybe even late June. We know Joshua and Pulev, they're going to do everything they can to have that fight on June 20th, as it's already announced, at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Wilder and Fury would be around that time. Could you imagine in three straight weekends, or maybe a couple of them in the same weekend, that we get Canelo and his fight, Joshua and his fight, Wilder Fury 3 and that fight, that may all be happening around the same two or three weekends, or the same two weekends in June. So, Yes, it's tough. Yes, it stinks. It's the same for all sports right now in the United States, and uh, and we'll have to live off of what else is around there. Marquise Johns, thank you. Great job here with me. Any final thoughts before you say goodbye and get out of here? Promote away. Absolutely, TJ. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Week Sauce Radio. Uh, still, without a doubt, boxing or no boxing, TJ, the best Twitter handle in the business. I challenge anyone on that. Uh, also, find all our writings that we're going to talk about in the meantime, you know, all the updates and cancellations, uh, upcoming fight cards, the, the few fight cards that may are happening around the world. There's, there'll be updates on somewhere on the line. You can find those at BigFightWeekend.com all the time. Hey, I didn't ask Steve this. I'll ask you this. Give me a quick yes. answer. Canelo takes a boatload more money somehow, some way, and they fight in England. If they're having fights in England but not yet in the U.S., could these guys fight in England for the right price, or do you see no way he only fights in Las Vegas uh, or bust this summer? I think Canelo, uh, knowing Canelo, because he gets to call the shots on the location, TJ, he's, it's either uh, Vegas, Mexico, or he stays at the house. Interesting. And you bring up Mexico, would Saunders come fighting there? Who knows? Yeah. These are the things we're debating. Go to BigFightWeekend.com, follow that on social media, follow us at BigFightWeekend.com. 
on Twitter, on the Facebook page, Big Fight Weekend. A lot of you engaging now on the Facebook page where we post up our content. Follow him at Weak Sauce Radio. I always laugh. It's an inside joke. It's a great Twitter handle for Marquise Johns. Uh, he's covering all things boxing, including the fights, uh, etc. My thanks again to Barry Tompkins, the Showtime boxing play-by-play legend all those many years on HBO, uh, winning all the awards as one of the top boxing voices of the last 40 years. Uh, and again, Barry hopes to be back on the Showtime Showbox series soon. We believe that's probably going to be May at least before those fights start rolling off. Thanks to Steve Kim as well. We love his insight and joking around with him. Steve from ESPN.com. Uh, again, he's talking to a lot of fighters and a, a lot of different uh, promoters, managers, and they're all saying the same thing. They're just anxious to get back out there, but right now, not safe enough to do that. Follow him at Steve ESPN Kim on Twitter. Marquise, great stuff. Thank you, brother. Keep pumping out uh, great stuff on the website. We'll have another podcast when developments warrant. We appreciate it here. Absolutely, DJ. Thanks for having me on. Well, good to be on. There we go. There's Marquise Johns. I'm merely TJ Reeves. Subscribe to this podcast. iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Spreaker. It'll come right to you when there's another one. For the time being, though... Read us up on BigFightWeekend.com. For all the guests, I'm merely the host, and thank you for being with us on the Big Fight Weekend Podcast. Bye.